Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And apologies for a slightly late start. You know how life goes at times. Life. AJ, how's it going, my brother? Uh, I'm alright. Had to. I'm sorry about the delay. That was my fault today, folks. Had a life was lifing today, but I'm good generally. I'm here. I'm settled. I am ready. All right. So as always, we do like to welcome you with us on the Green Beige Podcast. This week's episode is called Big Bills and Big Thrills because, well, Bills in honor of Jalen Hurts, who has pocketed some massive change. And the thrills are in relation to the NBA playoffs. Well, of course, we are going to start with the Eagles franchise quarterback, as we go off the rip. So Jalen Hurts, who is represented by Clutch Sports, and specifically Nicole Lynn, who is now the president of football operations and the first black woman to represent a player in the Super Bowl, is now the highest paid player in NFL history with a five-year, $255 million contract including a $23,294,000 signing bonus, $179,300,000 guaranteed, and an average annual salary of $51 million. In 2023, Hertz will earn a base salary, however, of $4,204,000 and a workout bonus of $100,000 while carrying a cap hit of $4,789,486. It is always interesting, especially when we're talking about these humongous figures, how the um, salary is broken down and, you know, the cap hits are being spread around. But AJ, before we get into all of that nitty gritty, first question. Is Jenna Hurts actually worth $255 million? Oh, I love these questions, you know, because <laughs> these questions. Are, and the thing is, I understand why we have to answer this question, because this is a question that is going to be asked, asked in every single circle, right? So I get it. I think this is such a, a, a relative uh, um, topic about whether he's worth it or not. My short answer is yes, I think he is. And I know it's easy to look at what Patrick Mahomes had, uh, his groundbreaking contract a few years ago, and compare it to that and say, well, yeah, well, Mahomes is times better, so blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, he shouldn't be making that much and whatnot. But we know how business works, and it's not always going to be the best or the brightest of the lot who is the highest paid. We know especially how the NFL market works. The fact of the matter is, yes, he's worth it because what the Eagles have been clamoring for for the longest while, for the longest while, is a franchise quarterback. And they thought they had it with Carson Wentz. We know what happened with that. We know what happened there. <laughs> uh, man. Whoa. Anyhow, um, yeah, and they, they, they did pay him as well, and obviously that didn't work out. But... I, I think that the Jalen Hurts experiment has a completely different feel to it. Um, not only is he sh- has he shown to be like uh, a, an X factor on the field because of his dual ability, but I think he's also proving to be a better leader than what they've had in recent history. So, with regards to what he's worth, he's he's definitely worth the value to the Eagles because they need him. They absolutely need him, and I think he proved that this. Uh, Prove that in the last season, right? Now, in my estimation, and this is no, this is no disrespect to your guy um, Patrick Mahomes, right? I think Mahomes should have been number two in the MVP race, though. I honestly felt like Jalen Hurts was more valuable to his team last season than Mahomes was, and and slightly. This is margin, so don't I'm dying on a hill that that <laughs> I try to put down Mahomes. This is just this is just margins, because. When, if you remember the two games that Jalen Hurts was out, the Eagles lost, right? And in 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 the Super Bowl itself, it's not like he he obviously had a very good game, kid. He obviously <laughs> had a very good game, but again, he was playing a different beast than Patrick Mahomes on the other end, and a different type of head coach and all. But 
I agree. matters, yes. Based on, on what he's achieved so far, based on what they expect him continue going to be. And I must add this because remember, I admit I was not high on Jalen Hurts a couple years ago. But this man, this young man has grown exponentially in his role. And and this is I'm not just talking about the X's and O's, I'm talking about the mentality. One of the main reasons why I was not sold on him, why I was not sold, is because I thought that his decision making just was not up to scratch. But he has actually turned that around. And and the thing is, once you have a player, especially a quarterback, who proves that they are going to be a student of the game and not a student of COD or whatever <laughs> other system. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Then mm -hmm. I think it is I think it is absolutely crucial to lock them down. And based on how the market was going, he was going to get a huge contract. I think he deserves it. I would say that he is worth it. Okay. So when I look at this this contract that Jalen Hurts has, has received. Well, first off, we know that quarterbacks get the lion's share of the money all the time because of the scarcity of that position and their importance relative to the success of their football team. However, we do agree that wins are not a quarterback stat because in football especially, everybody has to contribute to this win because if the quarterback doesn't have people to block, he doesn't have people to catch, he doesn't really get anything done. But that being said... Jalen Hurts is absolutely worth getting paid. I'm not sure. I am not convinced that Jalen Hurts deserves to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. He is now in what, his fourth season, I think, in the league. I, I was trying to remember exactly how long he has been here. Feel like it could be third at most. Okay, let's do the Google thing quickly. Yeah. Because I don't want I don't want to say this incorrectly. All right, Jalen Hurts stats. So this is his, he's heading into his fourth season. He was drafted into, in 20, right, right, right. He was drafted in twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. And to his credit, his completion percentage has improved every season. From 52% in his first season to 66.5% this season just passed. And yes, the Eagles have been very productive in the time that he has been their starting quarterback. However, when you look at the Patrick Mahomes of the world and some of the others that we may, we may touch on a little bit later, I believe that there are quarterbacks out there who may be better, not just for their team, but just as a better talent overall mm -hmm. than Mr. Hurts. So to say Mr. Hurts is worth the highest paid quarterback, being the highest paid player, mm, I'm, I'm not convinced about that. But I am not here to hate on a man for getting his money because at the end of the day, his value to the Eagles is reflected in what they've paid him. $255 million. And not, I know I didn't mention it in my lead in on this one, but he has the first ever no trade clause ever given by that organization. That shows, that yeah, that shows they are 100% all in behind Jalen Hurts. Just like if this is a quarterback sneak, when they can put the two running backs one on each cheek, so I mean this this is this is great for him, this is great for him, but I mean two hundred fifty five million dollars is a lot of money. We have to see how this is going to be broken down now in the years to come, because the cap hit that they give him for this season puts them in a position to run it, well, not necessarily to run it back, because obviously they didn't win what everyone covets, but it gives them a lot of flexibility with the cap this season to continue to build the roster around him. And we know what they're going to do as the season goes on. He is going to get extension after extension. They're going to continue to spread his cap hit down the line, and chances are he'll be retired and still be getting paid by the Eagles for about five or six years just so that they can try to maintain some sort of competitiveness yeah. going yeah. forward. He said, 
I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not, I, I, we, we both agree. I, I, we're not here to knock a guy for getting his money. I, I, I just think, right, that when it comes to, when it comes to these types of contracts, especially, in, in, in the NFL market, basically, it's like recency bias will dictate a lot. So this man just had, like, like I said earlier, he, is, he has shown every season that he's getting better, that he's willing to put in the work to get better. He's proven, uh, uh, he's a proven leader on the team to the point where I'm wearing the C on his chest already. His teammates are, are, are backing him up. You know, like all, all positive things to say. He just went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, not just in the regular season, but in a, play, in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So with all of these things factored in, I think it was easy for his agent to say, well, look at what he did. And so if he's doing this at the end of year three, just imagine where he could be in a few years. Right? So you, you need to lock him down now before someone else does. Before he, 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 he you give him some minuscule offer and then he goes and picks up somewhere else. Because this man is only getting better. I, I, I think it's just the way the market goes. It is, I understand where you're coming from. And again, I'm not going to... I won't go too hard against that. Like, based on if I mean, if you want to compare it to Patrick Mahomes, then yes, you can say he's not. But Mahomes is a different type of individual. It's true. <laughs> he's a different kind of individual. And and the thing is, I mean, he he made just barely over. But I think what is more important is what the breakdown you just gave, which is that they are going to continue to restructure this in the future so that they can re- remain competitive. Because the Chiefs did it as well. I mean, the. The numbers up front always look this big, but then the teams always find a way to 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 restructure so that they can continue to compete, essentially. So, I mean, we have no doubt that the Eagles are going to do that, but at the end of the day, well done, Jalen. You've made me a believer. I am a fan. Not of the Eagles, though, but of you. <laughs> same. Definitely the same. And the one thing, one other thing that I just want to mention quickly as we move off of this Jalen Hurts um, segment is that the Eagles also, you know, they moved with alacrity in a situation like this. Because Jalen Hurts was a first-round pick. With a first-round pick, you always have that fifth-year option that you can pick up if you so desire. And they did not even let him get into year four of that contract before doing the extension. So kudos to him and kudos to his lovely agent, Miss Nicole Lane. That's an incredible deal to get. Yeah. That is an incredible deal. Of course. Now, you know, it doesn't take long for the media and news cycles to get bored with a piece of news and start looking at implications. And frankly, we aren't any different. Um, The quarterback market, like records and rules, is meant to be broken. So now the question is being asked, who's going to be the next one? Who's going to be the one that breaks the record for the highest annual salary? Of course, you know, we can provide some names. Lamar Jackson is still waiting on his contract. There is Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert who will be coming up on their extensions shortly. So is it one of these names or is it somebody else, AJ, that is going to be the one to break this $51 million per year ceiling that Jalen Hurts has just said? Uh, I mean, if, if all things were were constant, I would say it would be Lamar. But with the saga that we've just seen and that is continuing to unfold, and we'll get into that a bit later, I don't know if he will be the one to reset. I obviously would like it to be my guy, Justin Herbert, and I think he will get a substantial pay increase because they're going to try to, to, to lock him down, especially being in an LA market, I think um that there he he's in for something huge but the only correct answer i can see here is joe burrow i think it has to be joe burrow out, out of and, and these are the kudos to you these are the best names i think you could have provided here right now right it has to be joe burrow i mean given given the quarterbacks that have been excelling in the league in the last few seasons some of them already got paid some of them haven't out of those joe burrow is at the top of that list undoubtedly in terms of like like lamar is lamar is special but lamar obviously the reason why he hasn't gotten a contract outside of the fact that he has no agent with lamar work on that please is the <laughs> fact that he has had some injury issues right joe burrow did have his injury 
but he bounced back. And after bouncing back, he has made the Bengals not just not just a good team in their division. The Bengals are, are the team to beat in their division right now. In addition to that, they're, pro- they're one of the teams to beat in the AFC. And, uh, and again, this is not to just put this, put this on the shoulders of the quarterback. It obviously it is an entire organization dynamic. You have to have it from, like, it, it has to be, like, support from top down. But a lot of this, a lot of this is down to Joe Burrow and what he can do. So he has to be the next. He has to be. Okay. So, under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. For everything that you just said. Because Joe Burrow, of the young quarterbacks in the league, for which I think we can still consider Patrick Mahomes to be one of them. He's now the elder statesman of the young quarterbacks in the league. Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback. And if we take the young quarterbacks, take the young quarterback tag off of it, he's still the second best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Because Patrick Mahomes, to me, is still number one. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I'm not convinced that Mr. Burrow is going to be the one to be resetting the market it's because of the organization he plays for, AJ. That is the cheapest organization <laughs> in the NFL. Oh my days. There is no there's nothing called a guarantee when you're looking at the Bengals and giving contracts to players. Rumor has it, I have to phrase it this way, because I I didn't stop to look it up before. Mm-hmm. But rumor has it. That the Bengals at one point in time had players reusing jock straps. That lets you know just how cheap they are. So cheap, is it? Historically speaking, they have been very, very cheap. So now they have the all-star quarterback. They have been willing to spend some money with regards to keeping the offense around him but we shall see when Jamar Chase has to get his money because his money is going to be astronomical then we know that T Higgins also has to get his money sooner rather than pretty much everybody else yeah and I could see that moving off of him for that reason exactly yeah. so when we, we, we're talking about one of the most um, fiscally responsible <laughs> franchises in the NFL. So, I'm not convinced right here, right now that Joe Burrow gets that money. Now, I did see something with regards to Lamar Jackson that says, well, it's a tweet by Sarah Ellison, where she said, side-by-side comparison of Jalen Hurts' deal with the Eagles and the Ravens offer to Lamar Jackson last September. This is per Adam Schefter. Total value... $255 $255 million for uh, Jalen Hurts, $250 million for Lamar. Fully guaranteed at signing, $110 million for Jalen Hurts, $133 million for Lamar. Total guaranteed, $179.3 million for Jalen Hurts, $200 million for Lamar. And he hasn't signed that deal. So... What is he looking for? Nobody knows because he's not telling anybody. So, like you, I'm a little skeptical that Lamar gets the kind of money that he's looking for. Because he hasn't gotten it yet. We're into April. The draft is not too far away. He's still waiting on his deal. So, of the three, then that just leaves Justin Herbert, who potentially could be the guy. He could be the one to make that kind of money but the Chargers too have a reputation similar to the Bengals of being very fiscally responsible so it remains to be seen honestly I believe that we could see the market again get be uh, being reset not by somebody who's now getting that big contract for the first time but maybe on a re-up of somebody who already has one. And I'm thinking of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. who He could be the one 
best position to get that kind of money because all right let's be real Kevin murray is never seeing that kind of contract that he has right now ever again so he as much as money as he's getting right now he has to thank his lucky stars we know deshaun watson and his guaranteed contract well he better count all those pennies especially with this with a couple other cases still pending as we are recording so he's not getting that kind of money um the Chiefs will find a way to work out something with Patrick Mahomes so that he doesn't hit the cap as hard as that. So, $50, $51 million a year? Probably not. But, Archer Park right now, the only thing they have going on is Josh Allen. So, why, why wouldn't you pay him? I think that he's probably the one that's maybe best positioned at this point. And how many years... If you can recall it, do we have to Google that? How many years does he have left? Because I, I can't. It was two years ago he got this deal. Yes, two years ago he he got paid. Right. I'll tell you shortly. So in 2021, mm. um, he signed the extension where it gave him 39.8 million against the cap with a 27 and a half million base salary. This contract is going to run until 2028. 28? Yes. Okay. But I'm pretty sure that they're going to do something about that because there's a potential out in 2026 um, where he it would have been five years, $164.5 million. But there's no way that when he's going into his year 30 his age 30 season that they're not going to be still looking to keep him so he is going to be in line for a big extension probably in the next two years okay cool yeah that's fair i understand that um just to rebut here quickly i'm not <laughs> to be honest i understand where you're coming from with everything so again i'm not going to debate or rebut too hard here the the thing about the thing about the Chargers move, and I understand what you're saying, but I, this could, I could, I could be completely wrong here. But the sense I'm getting from the Chargers is that since that move to LA, that they're trying to, that they're trying to do a bit more as an organization. So that I, I know you mentioned like how cheap they were in the past and whatnot, but I think the move to a bigger market was so that they can be. A more attractive destination and especially with regards to like being able to pay certain players so like finding players and they found the quarterback so i still think still think he'll get paid i, I do think he'll get paid. i don't know if he resets the market like i said um but this is more so down to like the other quarterbacks in the league i don't think that justin herbert at this time should be the one to reset the market to be very honest um and I get what you're saying about the Bengals too. I hadn't thought of it that way, but <laughs> it it will listen. You know what? This is this is the nature of that business. And if the Bengals, it would be a huge mistake if the Bengals do not tie down Joe Burrow. And I I, I feel like their hand is going to be forced. But can if I'm wrong about that one as well, then the Bengals have seven years of suffering to come. <laughs> and obviously, I'm being facetious with the seven because we know it can be more than that. They will they will. They will disappear back into into obscurity. Yeah, it's for sure. And I'm sure that they are going to try to, to tie him down. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that they're going to want to give him fifty one and a half million dollars a year or fifty two million dollars a year. But the one thing that does work in all of these quarterbacks favor everybody who I guess at this point in time is not named Jalen Hurts, is that the cap keeps going up every year anyway. Mm-hmm. The NFL keeps making money hand over fist. And that means that when the cap, well, when they keep making more money and revenue, then the salary cap goes up. And when the salary cap goes up, that means that players potentially can make even more money. So somebody's going to make $60 million a year in our lifetime. We just don't know who that per, who that quarterback is because <laughs> no other position is getting that money. Oh, for sure. All right. So, Eugene, now that we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, that's get to the breaking news of the day which is that alan robinson is now a stealer the former jacksonville jaguar and chicago bear has been traded from the la rams to pittsburgh in a deal that has a very interesting structure 
According to NFL Network insider Tom Pellicero, the Steelers will pay $5 million of Robinson's salary in 2023, while LA pays the remaining $10.25 million. The Rams will receive a 2023 7th round pick, which is the number 234 overall from the Steelers in exchange for Robinson and their 2023 7th rounder, which is number 251 per Pedicero. What do you make of this trade? They were trying to get rid of Alan Robinson. It's as simple as that. I saw, I saw one, our brother Justin from the hashtag this Justin show mentioned that the Rams are you know, blowing it all up. I, I don't think that's the case as yet. I don't feel like I've seen enough evidence to make me believe that. What I believe is that they're just trying to get rid of Allen Robinson. I mean, the, the fact that they threw in a pick with him to take back a pick in that same round, in the seventh round, mind you, I mean, it, it was just to get him off. And uh, yes, they are still paying him like 10. You said it was 10.2. Yeah, 10.25 yeah, million. So they, they still essentially pay almost like almost like two thirds of the, the thing or whatever the case is. Whatever, my mask is off, but you know what I mean. Pay the mm-hmm. majority of it, but it was just I think it's just to get him off the books. To get him off the books, because like, I mean, you know what? As as I'm sitting here talking, I do remember too that they they did say that um, Jalen Jalen Ramsey was supposed to be on the trade block, right? Or that he requested it. So. I mean, think they, they they definitely are going to shake things up. I I just don't believe that they're breaking down the entire infrastructure at this point to to build it back up from from scratch. But I, whether whether they had gone on to win the Super Bowl or not, I honestly am not surprised that they get rid of Allen Robinson. I am an Allen Robinson fan. I think that in the right system, this man could be a wide receiver. One, though, I don't think he's a top five receiver in the league. But I think he's he's more than serviceable. I had a lot more hope for him when they brought him in, but the Rams have more issues, uh, issues that run a lot deeper than Allen Robinson. Um, I think it was just an experiment that did not work out, and they just need to, to get him off the roster. <coughs> Thank you. Yeah, so, that was basically it. Yeah, no problem. So while you may disagree with the, the sentiment, that the Rams seem to be tearing this thing down to the studs. If you look at or you listen to the names that have left their um, organization this offseason alone, then it kind of makes you start to think. Maybe so, because as, as we were talking, sorry, I just remember so Bobby Wagner did leave uh, uh, too, right? He's one of the ones that left. I remember Jalen Ramsey being. So go through the names with me because maybe I am forgetting it. Yeah, no problem. So there are 13 players. That have left. All of course, not all of them have the same level of importance to the team. But I'll go through them. Long snapper Matthew Orzek. He has signed with the Packers. Punter Riley Dixon has signed with the Broncos. Wide receiver and punt returner Brandon Powell. He signed with the Vikings. Cornerback David Long Jr. signed with the Raiders. Guard David Edwards signed with the Bills. Quarterback Baker Mayfield. I mean, you know, parachuting and Baker Mayfield signed with the Bucks. Good luck with that. Taylor Rapp, safety, signed with the Bills. Safety, Nick Scott, so both starting safety, signed with the Bengals. Kicker, Matt Gay, signed with the Colts. North tackle, Greg Gaines, signed with the Bucks. Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker, he's been released. He has not landed anywhere as yet. Bobby Wagner released back with the Seahawks and Jalen Ramsey traded to the Dolphins. And that is and that list did not include Allen Robinson. So that's 14 players now that are no longer with the organization. And honestly, something has to be wrong with Robinson. It cannot be that we just decided that we were going to move him off and we we wanted to save $5 million for a talent that is as good as Anna Robinson. Right now, they have Cooper Cut, Van Jefferson, and I don't know anybody else in their wide receiver room. Well, wide receivers at least. Because, you know, then they will still have the, the Tyler Higbees yeah, Higbee. from, for the tight end. But they don't have anybody else, AJ. 
And Robinson, yeah, he didn't he didn't give them what they were hoping for last season. Mm-hmm. But you mean to tell me that it was worth packaging their seventh round pick with Alan Robinson and still paying him, as you said, two thirds of his salary just to get him out the door? You know the last time that we saw somebody get packaged with some picks in the back pocket to get rid of them? That was also by the Rams when they were trying to bring in Matthew Stafford and get rid of Jared Goff, where they had to put a first round pick in his back pocket and send him over. I don't know what they're doing out there, but Rams fans, I'm sorry, you probably need to get, as you said, get accustomed to obscurity because it's not looking good. Right now, that team is short on talent and we are seeing reports that you know um stafford is supposed to be healthy coming back into this coming season but he was supposed to be healthy going through the offseason program last time and then all of a sudden up popped this back injury that we never knew was coming or we never knew even existed back injury elbow injury we don't know so can we really then put faith in what's happening there with the Rams? Now, that's one side of it. Now, from the Steelers' perspective, the Steelers did need to get more talent in for a wide receiver, for their wide receiver position. Deontay Johnson is talented, but he is a little too prone to drops. Mm. Then they have um, George Pickens who is now going into his second year, he's still developing, but he looks like if he has something to him. But bringing in Allen Robinson, they give Kenny Pickett a great target to work with. They definitely upgrade now because in their division, as we mentioned before, there is the Joe Burrow, who is the one that everyone is now chasing. Lamar Jackson... Should he return to the Ravens, he now has Odell Beckham Jr. to add to the Duvernays and and rest of the talent that he has on his offense. And then, well, there's the Cleveland Browns, who have Deshaun Watson and, yeah, it's the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Yeah, this is the Mary Cooper, yeah, but it's the Cleveland Browns. So, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, so from that perspective, they need to do something if they want to not be fourth in the division. I mean, they probably are battling for third at this point if Lamar comes back. But you still need to do something. And by doing this, they're better today than they were yesterday. I like the move for the Steelers. And you know that I'm not a fan of the Steelers, so I will give. I have to give them their credit. I didn't even... I, I did not even get into that aspect because I was just... Speaking about it from the Rams' perspective, I, I agree with you in that I do like the move for the Steelers. I'm not wowed by it, though. That's the only thing. I'm not, and it could be more to do with just just all of the external factors. Just the fact that Allen Robinson has not been himself for the last at least two seasons, um, coupled with the fact that the Steelers are now a mediocre team in a very tough division. So. I, I'm, I, it doesn't. It doesn't to me signal that. Yeah, this is. It. 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 It is a good move, as you said, like to be able to pay him. Because I think George. I think George Pickens is going to be really special. I think he's not. Not like Jamar Chase type special, but mm-hmm. you know, good enough, better than better than average. Um, so I think pairing Robinson with him, that's a good duo. Because yeah, you're you're right. Deontay Johnson, uh, he still has some growing to do. Like. Man, like he didn't play catch in the yard or something like that. <laughs> um, I, so I, I do like the move, but it 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 didn't move the needle that much for me. Mm. Okay, understood. So now, AJ, we move from the gridiron to the hardwood to the NBA playoffs, which started on Saturday night. Now, to quickly recap the standings as of this recording, it is six forty-six p.m. on the Molten Top. Um, the one-seeded Denver Nuggets, they are up 1-0 on the 8-seed Minnesota Timberwolves, while the one-seed Milwaukee Bucks are currently down 1-0 to the 8-seeded Miami Heat. The two-seed Memphis Grizzlies are trailing 1-0 to the 7-seeded Lakers, while the two-seed Celtics dismantled the Atlanta Hawks 
in their first game and they are playing as we speak um, the last score I saw the Celtics were up by about 12 in the third quarter um, the three seed Sacramento Kings are leading the sixth seed and defending champion Golden State Warriors 2-0 as the series now shifts back to San Francisco while the three seed Philadelphia 76ers are leading the sixth seed Brooklyn Nets 2-0 finally the fifth seed New York Knickerbockers they're at 1-0 on the fourth seeded Cleveland Cavaliers and the fifth seeded LA Clippers stole game one in Phoenix against the fourth seeded Suns now, AJ, you must tell the people, do you have a dog in this fight, first off? Do you have a team and or player that you are rooting for in this year's edition of the playoffs? Man, you know how I roll. My guy is Kevin Wayne Durant. That is, he is my guy. He's the, the one who I always want to see win. And when we were on hashtag this just in, I said that the Suns should be the contenders number one contenders they're the team to beat my opinion as obviously is is laced a little bit with bias just a little bit but <laughs> but i think with good reason i think is is a, a credible argument to back it up um obviously i want that i i don't have any great affinity for any team you know that that i've in previous discussions i've mentioned that if there had to be a team out back it would be the pistons but we all the pistons are not going to i I don't even know if in our lifetime the Pistons are going to win another NBA title. They're going to be a team that's constantly developing because the days of drafting a, a one player and then building around him seem to be done when it comes to winning championships. And Detroit is not a very highly sought-after destination, let's be honest. It's a small market. It's an absolute crappy place to live. No one wants to go to Detroit. No one wants to go to Detroit. Anyway, in any sport. So, I digress again. Um, it, it, it would be the Suns for me, but they do definitely need to show more. Outside of that, and Ken, don't, don't, don't come at me here, but, <laughs> but part of me finds myself rooting for this Kings team. And this is not because of Warriors hate. Let me, let me be very clear about that. This is not Warriors hate. You know very well that I played fantasy because we played fantasy basketball for a few seasons now. I took the, the break this year. It was this year and last year or whatever the case is. But I've, I've played enough fantasy basketball, right? You know how you develop a certain affinity for players just through, like, you know, when you pick them up in, in the league in, in fantasy and then they end up doing so well, you just, like, just end up have growing a, a liking for them. This has actually happened with two players that are now on the King. Well, one that was already existing on the Kings, even one who joined them more recently. In De'Aaron Fox and Domantas Sabonis. Those are two players in a couple of my, in a couple of our leagues, you and I, I think you probably in all of my leagues or whatever the case is. These are two players who I, I always used to go after, right? De'Aaron Fox, I had him in his rookie season, so I've always been a fan of his. He's in my, my personal favorite top 10 in, in the NBA. Sabon is not, not top 10, but I just like the man's game. And again, he's someone who I always used to go to in fantasy. So just for two of them, and just the way this team is built, just Mike Brown as well. I, I'm glad to see the man on this, being on this pedestal right now. I just find myself rooting for them. And again, this is not, it's, honestly, it's not Warriors hate. I, I ain't doing it just because I want to see the Warriors out. I actually just want to see this team play well and win. And even at this stage, if the Warriors were to come back and win this series, let's say 4-3, because I don't see them winning four straight. Right? Just give me one sec. <laughs> I don't know why all of a sudden Siri decided to, to speak. I didn't... Anyway. <laughs> if the Warriors come back and win this series, potentially like 4-3, because I don't see them winning four straight from here. Right? I still... I wouldn't be upset, but I would still have to applaud the fact that the Kings were able to carry them so far. Because at the end of the day, it's the Warriors, and I'm not going to discredit them. I know they have a lot of internal problems. They have, they have their issues, on-court issues going on. But I'm never going to discredit a team that has won before and has these players. It, call it who we or whatever, I don't. And, and I know that's your guy on the other end, so I'll let you get into that, but I would say that those are the two teams I kind of want to see do well. The Suns, for obvious reasons, because Katie. And then I just like this young Kings team. Um, 
outside of that, Ken, I honestly don't care. Okay. So, yeah, there is no secret what God can do. And there's also no secret that I am a big fan of Steph Curry. Steph Curry is my favorite NBA player. And for many years, I have considered myself a member of Laker Nation because prior to um, Steph Curry's um, development in the NBA, Kobe Bryant still is my all-time favorite player in the NBA. I have lost some of the love for the Lakers after they picked up an interloper who brings with him a contingent that I cannot stand. It's the I, word. I was just waiting on the interloper. You know? <laughs> man, does ne- man never ever gives this description without mentioning that word, interloper. I love it. Continue, yeah. sir. Continue, good sir. Yeah, the, the interloper who brings a contingent who some refer to as the LeBron Taraj, but in one of our chats is referred to as the panty drawer for how tight they hold on to their leader and do not think that he can ever do anything wrong. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a difficult period for me because I found myself more rooting for the Warriors than I have for the Lakers, especially since the interloper arrived in town. But when you take that into consideration i still do want to see the lakers do well especially because they're playing against the memphis grizzlies which is probably the team in the nba that i dislike the most now i come back to to them in a second but the nba playoffs have started very very excitingly you know these playoffs have given almost in every series a lot of interest a lot of things that we will be paying close attention to except for atlanta and um boston because boston is currently beating the brakes off of the hawks they're plucking every single feather so there's there's going to be nothing there for us to really pay attention to that series is probably done in four at the most is going to be done in five um when I look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are currently taking on the Denver Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves have the worst coach in the playoffs. Usually, it was said that that's coach Bud, but when you look at the the coach for the Timberwolves, whose name escapes me at this moment, um, go Finch, Chris Finch, I think his name is. Yeah, he he doesn't get the job done. And the roster construction, they're trying to play this to tower Carl Towns and Rudy Gobert thing. That's not going to work. Especially when neither of them have the speed of foot to keep up with anyone on the perimeter. And Rudy Gobert especially is useless outside of the restricted area on both sides of the floor. So, from that perspective, that one should be a wash. But... You know, they usually say that a series starts when the road team wins a game. We got we got a series on our hands because the Clippers stole game one from Phoenix in Phoenix. Uh, let me go back to my, to my notes here so that I can remember who did what. Um, the Knicks stole game one from the, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And right now they're playing game two. It's currently at halftime. Um, we have the well, the Lakers. Yeah, they, they stole game one. Well, I can't really say they stole it because they just took it from Memphis. Is that was no that was no stealing involved. That was just you know I'm coming to your house. I'll take up your salt and sugar and what you do. That was kind of what happened in that first game. But the playoffs are really exciting. I am very excited to see what's happening. You know, this is the time where I have to beg the way for forgiveness because most nights I'm watching basketball. Um, but this is, you know, like how people talk about March Madness and like that first week of the tournament is usually the time that they get most up for games because it's just games all the time. And I don't know if you heard this, but that is the, um, the time of the year where the vasectomies are scheduled 
just before the very first opening of the March tournament. The, the <laughs> men going to get snipped so they can be home for a week. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, you still with Green Beards against an interesting fox. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that happened. But yeah, the NBA playoffs are, are they're on and they are exciting. But there are some notable injuries that we we can't not mention at this point. Um for the Miami Heat in that series that they have with the um, Milwaukee Bucks. Tyler Hero broke his hand. He is out for four to six weeks. I didn't see a handbrake, AJ, when he dove on the ground for that ball. He was holding his hand, and he was clearly in a lot of distress. Yeah. But, I mean, they even passed the ball to him. He took a shot of a broken hand. Then, you know, they took him out of the game. And now he has a broken hand. He is done for the playoffs. Because the only way that he comes back is if the Heat make a run to the finals. And let this be the point that I remind everyone. That so far in the plane, well, in the since the advent of the plane, no team that has qualified for the playoffs via the plane has won a series. I mean, that seems likely to change now, but we get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he took a very hard fall on his back and tailbone. We do not know the extent of his injury as yet. So, right now, it's up in the air if he plays game two or not. But, you know, Giannis, as long as he's able to go, he will play. Um, when we go now over, there's another notable one. I, it was there in my mind. Ja. And, yes, Jam Morant. Thank you. So, the Memphis Grizzlies, they came into the playoffs. Minus Steven Adams. Minus Brandon Clark. So, they're very thin on the front, in the front court. And this is with Anthony Davis, who is still fit, still playing. Um, but he did pick up a stinger in the game where he, you know, he was seen to say that he can't lift his arm. But he is still playing, and they don't have much happening there. And now John Morant, well, they said that it is negative in terms of a break to his hand. But he seems to have some damage to his hand. And this damage to his hand could be getting in the way of his participation in at least game two if not the rest of the series going forward but for which if he can't go the lakers are going to win this very quickly i don't see how memphis is going to be able to survive minus john Morant, minus stephen Adams, minus brandon clark taylor jenkins is a decent coach but he ain't that good he definitely can't, I mean, no coach, to be fair, would be able to scheme up missing three of your better players and for sure your number one player on the team. And then there was one other that, um, it, it happened again, AJ. I, I had a name. I had an injury. Hmm? Is it PG? Well, no PG is out for the first round. Yeah, he's out for the entire first round with the knee. Uh, but I cannot recall who else got injured. Then. Yeah, it'll come to me. But when you're looking, when you're looking at these injuries and their impacts, how do you see these things like helping certain teams or harming other teams as we move forward? Um. So the last two that you mentioned of those three are the ones because those are the ones to me that are most impactful because you mentioned that stat and I, in another chat i said this as well i i, I didn't even officially know the stat but i guess it was in the back of my mind that no team who qualified through the plane has won a series as you said right i said in another chat this is when this is after like the first set of games in the plane I said that, yeah, none of these guys, none of these teams that, that make it from here are going to win a series. Like, they're out in the first round. But that obviously is in jeopardy now because they, these are high-profile injuries. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, it's not just a, like a roster player coming in. We talk, we're talking about the best player on each of these, on the Bucks, the best player on the Bucks, the best player on the Grizzlies. Now, granted, the one thing I also did say in this chat, we had a little basketball discussion at that point, and one thing I did also say is that I felt like of all the play-in teams, 
the Lakers had the best opportunity to carry a series to Game 7, right? With Jamarant being out, I think the tide no swings in their favor completely. I don't see how the Grizzlies get because you also mentioned with being that them already going in without Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, and that's kind of what had factored into my thought process before all of that was factored into it. I just had less faith in the Lakers to, to actually pull out four games, but with Ja out and especially the way they were able to then take Game One, as you said, the manner in which they did it, it was like it wasn't even it wasn't even like a, a smash and grab. It was like yeah, just walk in, take away one, as they say, walk in, F, F stuff up, and then leave. <laughs> it was pretty much that. So I think that is going to be the biggest impact um, because they, they already mentioned that it, it does not seem to be a high level of optimism uh, surrounding Ja returning for game two. I think Ja, I, I, and, and you know what? I honestly believe that even if he does return, he still won't be 100%. For sure, yeah. It's cause he. If anything, he's gonna try to force it. <laughs> um, I think that to me, I, I I think that is the most high profile. And and this is not to discredit Giannis and the Bucks, but I I I just have a feeling that Giannis could be back. I mean, a a back injury is something serious as well, but I, I feel like it's something that he could work around. Um, the fact that he had to to leave that first game, it could have been, and there could have been an element of precaution in that, and like not trying to make him, not trying to force him too much before we knew exactly what, like how bad the injury was, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if he's out, I, if he's out, I do think that he can win the series, but I still give the Bucks a, a fighting chance, just because, just because of the, the the way that roster is constructed, the other players that they have on that team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Heat are very good right now. And, the Heat, and I, it, it feels to me like Jimmy Butler is going to have to go above and beyond again. And so they, ultimately they can do it, but I still, think the, I still think that the Bucks stand a better chance of winning their series without Giannis. And this is not saying that Giannis has less of an impact. It's just based on the opponent. Mm-hmm. That the, the Bucks stand a better chance of beating the Heat without Giannis than the Grizzlies stand a chance of beating the Lakers without Ja. Yeah, I, I definitely cannot disagree with that because the Grizzlies do way too much talking for a team that has not won anything, even with when they had all of their players healthy. So know that they are not healthy, that's gonna be a problem. Especially, you know, when everyone's favorite villain, Dylan Brooks. Is going to be out here saying, oh, you know, he wanted the Lakers so that he could put LeBron out early. But guess what, son? Come for these legs. These hands are rated E for everyone. <laughs> so I don't I don't see how the Grizzlies get this done. The other name, it came back to me as you were talking, and it made sure to, to note it in my head. You mentioned him earlier, Domatis Sabonis. Sabonis. Oh, the rib. Picked up a, a bit of an injury <laughs> last night. I hadn't seen the update on it. What? Talk to me. What is it? Well, they said. Well, we don't know how bad it is. What we know for sure is that he does not have any fractures in his ribs, okay. um, and his sternum seems it may just be a bruise to it. But you know, of course, that conversation that that is something worthy of conversation on this forum, AJ, because by now I'm sure you've seen the video. Where Draymond yeah, Green... I actually was watching that game, so... Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so Draymond Green forcefully placed his foot in the chest side of Demonis Sabonis. What is your take on that? And any potential... Because we nothing has been announced, but any potential suspension that may come as a result of said stop. Oh, Ken, I am... Um... You see how you feel about the entire Grizzlies organization? I kind of feel so about Draymond. Like I can't, I just can't stand Draymond. Uh, and this is not, I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on his character as a human being. I don't, I'm not talking about on a human level. Just his basketball persona. I mm. cannot stand it, Ken. And, and let, me, let me be fair. Let me go back to the beginning here. Because Sabonis did, he, like, that was a dirty play. 
I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I would say he's a dirty player. You would have to bring evidence that suggests to me. I think because so what Sabonis said is that when he fell, he was a bit scared and whatnot. No, obviously he has to make an excuse. You still shouldn't be grabbing a man's ankle. That's that's wrong. It is wrong. But I think that an element of that is true. I think he was a bit like knowing Draymond. Draymond real volatile in the head. You, you never know what that man could do. So I think he did in in as a, in a, a rush of blood to the head, like try to protect himself by grabbing onto the ankle. But that is a very bad and dirty play. Like you can injure someone doing that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the fact that Draymond compounded a man. You could have given him on a kick or something. So, but this, <laughs> yeah, this game, like with the instep, you know, like instep kick, just just to the to like the the hammy or the thigh, something like that. But to to stand up on his rib and and like force down, like you step on him to step over. It, I, I felt like that was excessive. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, and Sabonis was still wrong whether he was just scared or not. But I, I feel, I, I just do dream on and this bully mentality. And then obviously afterwards he was hyping up the crowd and all that <laughs> I really, all I could do is laugh. Yeah? I, 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 I don't like anything about that play. I don't like either party. I, like I said, I like, I like Sabonis, but I, I don't like what he did. And mm-hmm. if you do something like that, you have to expect repercussions. And you can't necessarily dictate what the person does to you. But what, what, what annoys me most about it is the fact that Draymond is just like a repeat offender. Like, as you just said, we don't consider Simone a dirty player, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it is that I consider Draymond dirty. I think he, his exuberance sometimes can get out of hand. He is a habit, habitual line stepper. Line stepper. I was here to. Habitual line stepper. I, I think he took it a little too far, but they were both in the wrong here. At the end of the day, if he does get suspended, I would be surprised, and I think it would be somewhat warranted. So, Draymond is one of those guys similar to Pat Bev in this regard. You love him if he's on your team. You hate him if he's not. So, to hear that you are not a fan of Draymond does not surprise me. It does not surprise me because most people who have no affinity at all to the Warriors and what the Warriors do will feel like you do. That is fair because a man that's a habitual like stepper like Draymond Green, he will rub you the wrong way at some point in time. He has rubbed me the wrong way at points in time. I, I agree. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I want to make this absolutely clear because a lot of people tend to, to conflate these like uh, they, they don't like someone like a, a, a sports personality or a player or whatnot and then they, they carry that into real life I, I do not know Draymond Green I do not what, know what he's like in real life his competitive edge on the court is what brings out this side of him from what I can see I don't know this man's personal life I have nothing against him as a human being this is strictly Draymond Green the basketball player continue yeah so I mean I, I should be able to say the same about Dylan Brooks because I don't know Dylan Brooks from a can of paint. But what I've seen on the court from Dylan Brooks, I won't want to have a conversation. I won't want to sit down and have dinner with Dylan Brooks. So that's but that's me. But back to Draymond and this particular player. I think that had Draymond done to Sabonis, similar to what Dylan Brooks did to Donovan Mitchell earlier in the season where it was that you were looking for the person and seeking out the contact in this manner and then you know everything that jump off as a result it would be a little bit different but the way how the play happened like i i saw Sabonis when he was on his way down to the ground seemed to be trying to hold on to clay thompson's arm then he let go of thompson's arm fell to the ground rolled over in the direction of Draymond and grabbed his foot. AJ, what are you doing grabbing the man's foot? There's no reason for you to grab the man's foot. If you are afraid, you go down and you wrap up, you cover up in the fetal position, you make sure that all of the important bits can't be made contact with, and you wait till you're able to get up. You don't grab a man's ankle. So you grab Draymond's foot. At the time when he grabs Draymond's foot, the Warriors have just collected the rebound and are running. 
Draymond is not even looking at him on the ground. But he grabs his foot. He grabs his foot at the same time that Draymond's foot is coming up off the ground. So when your foot goes up, your foot has to come down. It has to come down somewhere. So Draymond himself has said he's not the most agile person. And this is in a congested area. There's still a lot of players around in the paint. So I put to you this, right? If Draymond, instead of bringing his foot down, and they can come back to the, the actual bringing of the foot down. But instead of bringing his foot down, he kicks it out so that he can try to get over Sabonis instead of bringing it down on him. And he kicks somebody else. You know what the talk is? That Draymond is out here kicking people again. Just like how he was kicking all kinds of players a few seasons ago. So instead of doing something like that that could put him in danger, in jeopardy, because now he's stretching, he could pull up groin, he could kick somebody else, somebody that's clearing, could hit him on his ankle, spin him around, fall him down, hurt him, he brings his foot down. Now, if he brought his foot down relatively gently, though, then it may not have been a, you know, ejection for the game because Sabonis would have gotten the technical foul for grabbing him on his foot. And then you can see where he put his foot down and maybe he, like, he throws himself over braces forward his hands he puts his foot down he steps back then we're not having this conversation but he forcefully brings his foot down on someone else and then jumps off of it so no you're, you're you're giving it a little extra when you're moving off of sabonis yeah. that's that, that look bad dre it, it looked bad it did that and that's all that's and that is all i'm saying that is the part that got to me you know and and in real, I don't know if you actually had made out made it out in real time. I didn't see that. That's what happened. I saw I did. obviously. Okay, I saw obviously like the commotion and then like um, Sabonis going down. But then the, the 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 camera was actually moving. And then I remember seeing them afterwards going back and like Sabonis was still rolling up on the ground. And I'm like, all right, wait. So something <laughs> happening here because I know this man is not a footballer. So here. <laughs> and then I saw the replay. I was like, oh, that's what I'm like. Come on, Draymond. I I feel like. At the end of the day, like I said, Sabonis is very wrong for grabbing. Like he, he clearly was trying to antagonize, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't like Draymond like forcefully stepping and then putting his weight on to step onto him on someone's on someone's rib. Like that, that is intent to hurt. That's intent to injure. Which is why he got the flagrant too. You know, I, it, I, I, there were other ways to fail off. And the thing is, Draymond and dumb, you know. No, he's not. not stupid. He's a very smart man. Exactly. So Draymond <laughs> knows. He knows that there were other ways that he could have handled that. Even even if like as just a reaction. Draymond been doing this for years, man. Ken, he knew there was another way. But I, I in the moment and and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't recall all of the incidents, but I know that these guys were tied up a bit in that yes. game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this this was just like the culmination of everything to me. It, it, it wasn't just a one-off in the game. Ah, they were going back and forth. And and the Sabonis was, to be fair, the man was giving them, like, he was working them in that pain because they, they could not stop him and was just sending them to the line. So. <laughs> that game, look, honestly, right? It is very, very frustrating watching this particular series for me. Yeah, yeah. Because the Warriors, the Warriors are not rebounding the ball very yeah. well. They, yeah. They're getting killed on the offensive glass. Which is giving away too many points. They're turning the ball over at a historic rate. You know that in the first, you saw that game from from opening tip. No, not from the opening tip. I think it was like sometime in the second quarter, actually. Big man, in the first quarter. No, online. I did see the first. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. In the first quarter, they had both teams had nine turnovers each. Yeah. They had. I remember here. Equal that. number of turnovers to assists. They were just oh they're giving the ball away, and Sacramento Sacramento is not just here to make up the numbers. So the Warriors go win one on the road. They have, they to. have to win one yeah. on the road. If they yeah. don't, then this and this and these are two games that they had an opportunity to win and they they did not do it. So the Warriors are in trouble. I'm. I'm gonna say here right now the Warriors are in trouble because they need to they have to make sure that they win both at home. Yeah. 
you said that you don't see them winning four straight. I think they can because they have three of the four back in San Francisco. But they go win game five. They have to win game five in Sacramento to finish it at home in six. Because if this goes to seven, I've said this everywhere. If this series goes to seven, the Warriors are out. Warriors are one and done in this playoff this season. But right now, the um, for just for those who've been watching with us, the Cleveland Cavaliers are currently up 16 points on the New York Knicks, 74 to 58 in the third quarter. And that is a great spot for us to bring this episode of the Green Bay's podcast to a close. We thank you so much for joining us during this episode as always we ask you to like this video subscribe to our channel hit the notification bell and not just that tell a friend because we love being here with you but we also love to be with your friends as well so let them know so that they can join us as we are here next week next week we are going to have a draft preview because the nfl draft starts next thursday so we're going to have a draft preview. And then the week after, we're going to have a draft review. AJ will not be with us next week, but we will have our draft experts in the house to help me because you know your boy don't really know nothing about these players. coming out of college. So okay. I got to get some experts coming through. Oh, yeah. So as I'll, still, I'll still probably try to tune in, but yeah, mm-hmm. again, I have a little life, some family visiting, so... I know it's an inopportune time because of the draft, but it's a very important day. My sister is going to be visiting for her 30th birthday, so need to make it special for her, you know? Of course. And, I mean, we will never begrudge you an opportunity to spend time with family because at the end of the day, family is what is most important. So, of course. So, again, for everybody associated with the Green Bridge Podcast, we thank you again. That is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.